Lord, I do thank you so much for bringing us together tonight, Lord. And I do pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through your word. Lord, you've already spoken to us in the worship time, reminding us of who you are, reminding us that we need our hearts so purified because we do look to other things. When you're there all the time, your arms are wide open, wanting us to come to you, to look to you in all things, no matter what we go through, the trials we face in life, whether they're big or they're small, they're all designed to draw us to you, Lord. So I pray that as we do this first class, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through the word of God. You would minister to every heart that's here tonight, minister to hearts that are listening online as well. I pray, Jesus, and I pray that you would make us women whose God is enough, that that would become a reality in our lives as we go through this Bible study. In Jesus' name we pray. So I don't know how many here did get the Bible study or is working through it, but if not, on the handout, you're going to notice in the back part of it, there's homework for this week that went with this Bible study. So I'm going to try to do that every week, include the homework for the Bible study, the one that we studied for that week, if that makes sense. So that way you can dig into the word for yourself to see if the things that I share are indeed true or not. Because remember, I want you all to be good Bereans. And let scripture interpret scripture. Let scripture interpret scripture. So the whole theme for this week is God is the creator and the giver of all things. He is the creator and the giver of all things. And I think about some of the worship songs we sang tonight, just revealing his glory to us and the reality that he's our father. Knowing who he is, that he raised from the dead, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, all power and authority is his on heaven and on earth. And he's adopted us as his his children. If we've truly been born again, we're his children. He's our Father. And I love this scripture verse that was for this week. It was the main theme. And it really made me think about it when I started this over a month ago. It was from Romans 8.32. It said, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Think about that. Really think about that. If he gave his only begotten son to save us, to redeem us, why do we doubt he's not going to provide for the other practical needs that we have to do life? Right? If he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And a lot of you know, a couple of months ago, just the trials that my mom's been going through back home. And I bring this up because this scripture was really the scripture that held me 
in some very dark times that she was facing, it was like, of course, Lord, you're going to provide for them. Of course you're going to give them what they need. Why am I doubting you? And I can say a month out, two months later, God has done more than, provided more than. But that's who he is. That's who he is. So we really need to pray Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, and we kind of sang it, Purify My Heart, where the psalmist said, Search us, O God, and know our hearts. As we go through this Bible study, we want the word of God to search us so that we know what's in our hearts because we could so easily deceive ourselves. Scripture tells us the heart is deceitful. Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Who can know it? So as we go through this, don't be afraid to pray that and ask God, show me. Show me the other things I'm relying on. Show me the other things I'm trusting in. Because we know everything is going to be shaken according to scripture in Hebrews. Everything's going to be shaken that can be shaken. But the things that cannot be shaken, those things are going to remain. And those are all the things that are in Christ, in God. And that's where we want our roots to be. So we pray, search us, O God. Know our hearts. Try us. I know that's a scary prayer to pray. Try us because we don't know how he's going to try us. I think of my dear sister here that went through a tremendous trying the past few weeks. She came out the other side. Praise God. She came out the other side. And that's what happens. When God tries us, he does bring us through to the other side. Know our anxieties. Know the things that make me anxious. Know the things. Show me those things that I'm fearful, that I'm not trusting you in. And see if there's any wicked way in us, I put us, but it says me, and lead us in the way everlasting. And I know that's all of your hearts, that you want God to lead you in the way that's everlasting. Page three of the Bible studies, uh, Cynthia Healed. I I don't know if I'm saying her name right, H-E-A-L-D. Is that right? Healed, okay. She says, we have made the paramount decision to acknowledge and trust God for who he is. And we sang this tonight. The supreme, everlasting, almighty God of the universe. We can therefore rest in the power and the care of our sovereign God who graciously and wisely gives us all things needful. We're hearing that again, Romans 8. Right? What I opened with, 8.32. He will wisely, graciously and wisely give us all things needful. It is the greatest lesson because our hearts are restless and our souls incomplete without the one who created us. And right? What happens when we go through various trials? Where does that drive us? To him. Yeah. We cry out to him. We become desperate for him, right? God created us in his image. And what that means is we have, think about this, we have the capacity for spiritual fellowship with him. We can know him in a real and personal way. Revelation 4, verse 11 and 12 says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. 
He created each and every one of us in this room, in our mother's womb. Only two sexes, male and female. (laughs) There's only two. But it's for a purpose. It's for a purpose. God has made us for himself. And our hearts are restless until it rests in him. And how many here can say amen to that? How many know that personally for themselves before you came to the Lord? The searching, the seeking, the restlessness, the, ah, you know, just inside. But once we come to him, it's like we finally have that peace. You realize this is what I was created for. To be in fellowship with you. To know you. To love you. So we need to understand and be convinced of that God the creator and the giver of all things. That's the theme for this week. Is the God above all gods. That's the first point. And we sang a lot of songs about that tonight. And they didn't know anything about what we were doing first class. So it's obvious that the Lord wants us to know this. And we're going to have to know this in a more, a greater way, if I could say it that way, with the days we're living in and the days we're going to be going into. We have to know that our God is a living God. He's the God of the living. He's not the God of the dead. And he's above all other gods. And I just want to look at some of the scriptures that were in the Bible study for this week. To see what does God have to say about himself. And we're going to start in the Old Testament. We'll go into the New Testament. So Psalm 89 verses 5 through 8 says, The heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, and your faithfulness also in the assembly of the saints. We did that tonight. We praised them in that way. For who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. Is there anyone that can be compared to the Lord? No. Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? No one. There's no one like him. No one. Psalm 103 verse 19 says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven. And we need to know this bedrock inside. And his kingdom rules all. He's calling the shots. Like we heard tonight. He's calling the shots. Isaiah 44 verse 6 through 8. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And who can proclaim as I do? Some of you are reading through your Bible, right? Genesis, starting all over. You notice Genesis 1 and 2? God said, and it was so. I love that. God said, and it was so. God said, and he was so. 
Who can proclaim as I do, says the Lord? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people. And the things that are coming and shall come, let them show these to them. Do not fear, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from the time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there's no other rock. I know not one. This is our Abba Father. This is our Abba Father. We need to rest secure in our God, who he is. I love the scriptures because this is God saying this about himself through the prophet saying this about himself. He's the only one that can be relied on, trusting him. We see that throughout Daniel. There were seven, several scriptures in Daniel. Daniel proclaimed in Daniel 2.44. And again, we're looking at God is the God above all other gods. Daniel 2.44 says, The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And it was talking about Greece, when the Greeks, uh, uh, Alexander the Great took over, Rome took over, world powers, Nebuchadnezzar, all these world powers, where are they today? No. But God's kingdom will reign forever and ever. And King Nebuchadnezzar found that out the hard way. He was humbled by the Lord. Warning around like an animal out there. I think it was for seven years he was out there. He was humbled by the Lord. And at the end of it, it's amazing how in Daniel 4, 34 and 35... At the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, this was his testimony. I lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me because he was like a madman. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. How did he know that he lives forever? He had a revelation. God revealed himself to him. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? That was his testimony. He was humbled. He was put in his rightful place before Almighty God. God revealed himself to him. Then came King Darius, and he proclaimed in Daniel 6.26. If you've never read through the book of Daniel, I would encourage you to do it. And this was when Daniel was in the lion's den. And King Darius said, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom... Men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Would it be said of us that by others? 
Would that be our testimony in our generation? That people would be saying that you need to tremble before the God they trust in. That God is real. That God does intervene. He's very personal. Back off. Don't mess with those people. We heard that with Israel, right? The last class we did. Don't mess with Israel. The apple of God's eye. And I, I, I heard uh, someone say, it's like, you know, you have the center of the eye there. It's like poking your finger in God's eye when it says that. That's what that means. You're poking your finger in God's eye messing with Israel. So these men of old had a divine revelation that he is almighty God. And King Darius says, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. How did he know that? His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. And he is the one who's delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. What a powerful testimony in that time, in that generation. Then Daniel prophesied in Daniel 7, 14 and 27. He said, his kingdom, God's kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever. Because his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. So that theme is like throughout the Old Testament. And it's reality. Because Jesus died on the cross. He resurrected from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he owns everything. Everything is his. Satan just has reigned dominion for a little while. His kingdom's going to end, not God's kingdom. It's going to reign forever and ever. What about the New Testament? What does it say about God being the God above all other gods? Well, the angel Gabriel, who stands in the presence of the Lord, came to Mary in Luke 1, 33-33. And he told her, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now that is an angel that stands in the presence of the Lord. He's not lying. (laughs) He came with truth. And it's still true today. It's still true today. The Apostle Paul, remember he saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. He had a vision of encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And in Ephesians 1, verse 20 and 21, he said, God has raised him from the dead. He saw him. He saw him. He didn't see him physically. He never saw him physically on earth, but he saw him. 
on the road to Damascus, on the way to Syria, which is going to Syria, God raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. He's the God above all gods. That's some of these scriptures you really have to take and just like ponder them and say, Lord, what am I freaking out about? Why am I so worked up over something that you are totally in control of and sovereign? See, when that happens, that tells us I'm looking at the wrong thing. And these scriptures help us to say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Philippians 2, verse 10 and 11, Paul also said that the name of Jesus, every knee, we sang this tonight, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. And one last scripture we'll look at in Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones and dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. All things were created through him and for him, meaning you and me. We were created for him. This magnificent God that we're reading about that others had a divine revelation of in their generation, the realities of his kingdom, his sovereignty, everything about him that we just read. He wants us to know for ourselves. He wants us to know. Our creator calls out to each and every one of us. Every day in different ways to seek him that he would be the first one that we'd run to because the second point is he is the God who gives us all things and he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness right you read that in first Peter so the question I have for you and this is where we were singing one of the songs. I can't remember what it was. But if I can remember what this one, one of the songs was, I'm not sure if it was... Uh, I'm trying to refresh my mind. Mm-hmm. Worthy is the lamb, right? Isn't there a line in there? What's the line in there? No, 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 no. 
that he has everything. We're giving him everything. You are my everything. Yes. You are my everything and I will adore you. That's it. Thank you. You are my everything and I will adore you. Now, when we read these scriptures that we just read, we adore him because we're seeing who he is. But reality is, is he our everything? Because knowing who he is and why he has created us, what do you run to when things are tough? What do you turn to instead of him? Who or what do you lean on in times of trouble? Or maybe what expectations do you place on other people? Or do you place your desires or expectations on others to be your comforter or listening ear in times of trouble? Is God enough for you in those times when there's no one else? It's something we have to look at. You know, and don't think because I'm teaching this class, God doesn't deal with me. He deals with me for about a month out. Because I started this a month ago, and then I told Jeff, I feel like I need a break from the Bible study. And then I got sick with the COVID, and I was sick with RSV and who knows what else. But it was like, okay, Lord, I see where I put my expectations and other things that I look to. And I have to face the same as you have to face. Is God enough for you in times of trouble? Or do you have to have God and fill in the blank? He's not enough. I need this other thing here. And we all have those other things here. We all do. Are you satisfied with just him? I love what Troy shared on Sunday because he was talking about the God of all comfort, right? Well, she opened this Bible study with a quote from Hannah Whittle Smith. And if you've never read the book, The God of All Comfort, I would highly recommend it. It's phenomenal. But this was the quote that she opened this Bible study with, Cynthia did. She said, the last and the greatest lesson that the soul has to learn is the fact that God and God alone is enough for all its needs. This is the lesson that all his dealings with are meant to teach us. And this is the crowning discovery of our whole Christian life, that God is enough. We have to all come to that place individually. And the Lord knows how to bring each one of us to that place individually. But for us to know that God is enough, there's usually a stripping process that comes. Like we heard tonight, what Jeff shared. Sorry, that's the process. But you look at the saints of old that have gone before us, and they... (laughs) They and present-day saints in third-world countries. Why are we so different? 
Why do we think it's different for us? And yet, I've been to so many third world countries ministering. And those people in those countries have something we don't have. And they have nothing. So we think we're rich. But we're not. Not in the faith. God is not enough for us. We have to have God end. And for every one of us, the end, you fill it in. Jeff and I started a 40-day sugar fast, and we're going through a devotional book together. And she doesn't just deal with sugar. She deals with everything else you look to besides God. And it's amazing. Doing this and doing that, it's like, wow, Lord. Purify my heart. We all sang it tonight. Purify my heart, Lord. And what's that line in the song again? Be my everything. Really, be my everything. Don't let me sing lies to you. I'm saying it, I'm mouthing it, but it's not true of me. You are not my everything. But it's okay. Because God loves us with an everlasting love, Jeremiah told us. And he promises he'll never leave us or forsake us. Even though we're prone to wander, he'll never leave us or forsake us. If we return to him, he'll return back to us. Return back to us. You know, in the beginning, I know some of you are reading through your Bible the beginning of the new year. So we're in Genesis, right? You're all in Genesis. Genesis 1 and 2, God created everything that mankind was going to need. Then Genesis 3 came, and God didn't seem to be enough for Eve in the garden. He gave her everything, and Adam, everything they were going to need for life. Why did they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? It wasn't enough. Everything God provided for them. Why do we always want what's on over there? (laughs) Right? I mean, because it's common to man. It's common to woman. Even Genesis 3, 6, verse and 7. Remember, we've gone through the scripture verse numerous times through our different Bible studies. Eve saw That tree that God told her not to eat from, it was beautiful. And the fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give to her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave it to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. Why didn't he stop her? Why didn't he say, no, don't eat that? And at that moment, their eyes were open. And they suddenly felt ashamed because they knew they sinned. I can't even imagine what that was like for them. They lived in perfect fellowship with Abba Father. Perfect fellowship. Everything was perfect. What was it like after that? I can't even imagine because they tasted of what it was like. I mean, what God wants to bring us into again 
That's why Jesus came again to reconcile us to the Father so we can come into that relationship with the Father. But the lie, and, and this was in the Bible study, it's from Warren Wearsby. He said, the lie that has ruled civilization since the fall of man, it's the belief that women, men and women can be their own God and live for the creation and not the creator and not suffer any consequences. You know, but there's times, right, when God is, wants to be enough for us. I mean, he wants to be everything to us that we wander and we wander and we look to other things or we look to people or it could be numerous things. And then we wonder, how come I'm not connecting with the Lord? Or how come I feel like so far away from him? Has anyone else gone through that? And then you realize, hey, it's not him who moved, it's me. I'm the one that's drifted. But yet he says, my sheep know my voice, right? My sheep know my voice. So we hear him calling us, right? Calling us, why are you doing that? Why? Return, come back. I love you. I love you. You get nothing but mercy, grace, and love from him every, every time. It's amazing. When we realize, Lord, I'm, I blew it. And he's like, yeah, I know, but I love you. I love you. Return to me. Just return to me. Come back. God has given us free will. However, that free will allows us to wander from the one who promises never to wander from us. He's Emmanuel. And when we wander away from him, we're basically saying, you're not enough for me. Yeah, I need you, but I also need this thing over here, too. And what we see throughout the scriptures and in history, that God's people have struggled to remain in God's presence in this way. You see it throughout the Old Testament. How many times did they wander? And God would send prophets. We're the same. Turning to other things. But the good news is, there is good news in the midst of this. <laughs> Romans 8, we're back in Romans 8, verses 31 through 34. The Apostle Paul said, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We have to be convinced of that. Even when he's rebuking us, even when he's convicting us of sin. Lord, you're rebuking me, you're disciplining me, you're disciplining me, you're correcting me because you love me. You love me. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, we're seeing this again, but delivered him up for us all, how should he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. And that you need to know. Then when you see, I've blown it royally. But when I turn back to him in repentance, he justifies me through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
are made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ, through repentance. Who is he who condemns? It's Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of the Father who makes intercession for us. That's the good news. Even though we're prone to wander, prone to look to other things, Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for you. He's praying for you. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. Even when you feel like no one else is praying for you, is it enough that he's praying for you? Because you know what? No one can pray better for you than Jesus can. He always reminds me of that. I know exactly how to pray for you and what to pray for. Why are you looking? Over there. Over there. He's praying for you. So, the good news in Joel 2 12, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. If you do, I'll return to you. I'll be what you need. I'll be what you need. And some of you have experienced that. Some of you have wrestled through the night watches with the Lord and have come out the other side knowing that you were with me in that time of wrestling. And you have brought me through. You have brought me through to the other side. And it's in those times that we see, Lord, you are enough for me. You are enough for me. Even when I feel like I'm all alone, walking this pathway alone, I'm not. Because you are Emmanuel, God with us. And you said you will never leave us or forsake us. You said you're with us always, even unto the end of the age. And that's the only thing I could truly rely on, rest in, put my hope in. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. If you have cancer, he's with you. If you have a heart attack, he's with you. If your child is sick and winds up in the hospital, he's with you. If you have a stroke, he's with you. If your liver enzymes are high, he's with you. He's with you. And when you know that, you can have peace. You really can have peace. You're not freaking out. Because you realize, God, you're all that I need in the midst of this. And you just want to draw me through this. The Apostle Paul knew that to be true. He said, what things were gained to me, these I've counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I've counted all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, 
the righteousness which is from God by faith. So there's a prayer here that I'm going to just read. And then I want to play a song because I, I found this song and it's like really tied into what we're looking at here. But this prayer is, God of your goodness, please give us yourself, Lord. We want to have you in the way you want to have us. For you truly are sufficient for all of us, Lord. Make that more and more real. I cannot properly ask anything less to be worthy of you. If I were to ask less, I should always be in want. In you alone do I have all. I really have everything I need in you. So we need to exchange what can never satisfy you. Whatever it is that he's showing you that you look to, exchange that because that thing will never satisfy you in the way that he can. And the song that I'm going to play, I, I have to turn my recording off because I can't post it, but it's